The message you are listening to is recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2019 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycnd.com. In the back, is this loud enough? No confirmation, party on. All right. Okay, so I just want to, uh, first off, um, thank you guys for coming uh, to this seminar. I, I am incredibly excited that you would choose this seminar to come to uh, because I believe this is an incredibly important topic uh, in our point in time in history, especially our generation. Um, I am closer to your generation than my hairline probably gives me credit for, but I am closer to your generation. This is an incredibly important topic and, and something that uh, we need to continually be talking about. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited uh, that you would come uh, to this uh, seminar um, as we're a packed house, um, but also incredibly sad um, because this points to the reality um, that this area of our life is incredibly broken. Um, uh, mental health, mental illness is, is um, yeah, it, it just points to the reality that, that, that it's a broken part of our life and it's something to be grieved over and, and saddened about. So I'm sad uh, that so many people are in here. And I wanted to start off by saying that uh, I know you may be here for, for several different reasons. Um, I just thought of three. Uh, maybe you're here uh, just because you want to learn more about this topic which is incredibly admirable and I'm, I'm really proud of you, um, that you wanna just learn more about this topic and be educated about uh, mental health and, and, and particularly depression and anxiety. Or, or maybe, um, and, and likely, uh, some of you are, are connected or, or somebody you love deeply uh, is affected by, by a mental illness, uh, by depression or anxiety. Somebody really close to you, a friend or a family, is, is struggling and, and you want to be um, more equipped to help them. Um, so so I, I hope um, that if that's you, that I can equip you with some things uh, to help your friend who is hurting, um, because that you have no idea what an instrument of, of, of healing and comfort that you can be to your friend who is struggling with depression or anxiety. I can't tell you how much my friends have, have helped me in my walk, so I'm proud of you for being here, and, and maybe some of you guys are here um, because you yourself or are in um, a season of depression. Uh, you, are, you are in uh, the dark place or, or maybe you're in the swirl, the spiral uh, of anxiety and you're just looking for hope. Uh, I know for me as a student, I sat in these chairs and came to, to talks similar to this, just looking for hope in the midst of, of the darkness and the brokenness of the world that I was experiencing and feeling so heavily. Um, so thank you for being here if that's you. And, I, and, and really I pray that you find hope um, in this talk. Uh, I, I must admit that I, I wrote this talk uh, to that third person, to that person who is, who is in the midst of depression, uh, in, the, in the midst of the darkness, or maybe in, in the swirl and the spiral that, that we call anxiety. Um, and, and I really did write this um, and thought through this to, to really give you hope. Um, so that's my prayer um, for our time together. Um, and uh, I, I also want to recognize that there's other mental illnesses other than depression and anxiety. Um, to give a seminar on the scope of mental illness is, and within 45 minutes is impossible. 
um, even depression and anxiety to do a seminar on that is, is impossible. So I had to limit the scope a little bit, but I do know that there's some of us in this room uh, who struggle with things like, like OCD, um, eating disorders, personality disorders, schizophrenia, all of the above. Um, although this talk is geared towards depression and anxiety, I do think there's principles that we're gonna talk about today uh, that, that relate um, and that can bring hope in the midst of your uh, mental illness. Um, so uh, I really do pray that the Spirit is here with us uh, today and that the Spirit uh, whispers hope to you uh, in the midst of your trial. Um, uh, so that's my prayer uh, for us. Um, yeah, so with that said, I just want to give you my hope for our time together. It's simply to give hope uh, to those who are struggling with depression and anxiety and their journey with the Lord. And, and I worded it that intentionally, um, to, to give them hope in their journey with the Lord uh, because healing and, and, and comfort in our walk with God is always a journey. Uh, it, it's a walk. There's never a magic bullet. Um, uh, healing doesn't come in a snap. It's always a journey. Um, and I hope this is just uh, kind of what Mac was saying, maybe a hinge point in your journey, in your walk with God, um, with depression and anxiety. Um, so uh, let me pray to that end, and then we'll dive in. Cool? You guys can pray with me if you want. Father, you are um, good and gracious and kind. And, and Jesus, you are um, the only comfort we have in this life and, and the only one that can bring true comfort. And Holy Spirit, you are the one who witnesses to our spirit that we are sons and daughters of the King. Uh, so Spirit, I pray that you would do that in this room. Uh, today, uh, God, that you would wit witness to our spirit and give us hope um, that you really do um, love and are, are in the process of redeeming all things. Um, so God, I pray that we would uh, experience your nearness and your goodness uh, in our little time that we have together today. Um, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I just want to intro, intro myself a little bit. As that says, my name is Aaron Boston. I am on staff at Truman State. Any Truman State people in the house? Yeah. Yeah. Party on. Uh, that's in the St. Louis region, if you've never heard of it. It's in this little place called Kirksville, Missouri. I know you've never heard of that. Uh, it's a tiny town almost in Iowa, so it's freezing cold. Um, shout out, Minneapolis. It's probably nothing compared to y'all. But yeah, so I work on staff with Truman State. Uh, this is my fourth year on staff. Um, and I just got to come out and tell you that um, I struggle with depression and anxiety. I have been diagnosed with, with clinical depression, uh, generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorders, and obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, so the whole gambit. And uh, I almost had a panic attack walking down here to give this talk for you all. Um, my wife's laughing. Nobody else did. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, this, is a, this is a topic that I'm incredibly passionate about um, because it's really close to, to my heart and something that, that God has been walking uh, with me through. Um, but I can remember my first experience of, of anxiety, at least my first memory of anxiety. Has anybody seen the movie Twister or is that too old for y'all? We got a couple. Okay, so it's this horrible movie where these tornadoes just destroy everything. And my parents loved this movie. 
and it scarred me to death. Because um, every time it would storm, I would have this, this, this uncontrollable fear that my whole family and all my friends were going to die from a tornado. Um, and it sounds a little goofy, but, but nobody convinced me otherwise that we weren't going to die. If it wasn't a tornado, it was going to be a flood. For some reason, I was terrified of floods. Like, I couldn't see that coming. Um, but I was terrified. I, was, I, was, I, I would hyperventilate. I, I would have panic attacks thinking, man, my whole family's going to die from the storm. And I didn't have the category of anxiety disorders or, or panic attacks. In it. Um, but that's just a, a, a small example of when I was growing up. Um, early signs of, of, of maybe some anxiety, temperament, personality, um, and anxiety disorders. Um, and then I got to high school, and, and life was just relatively easy. I had a wonderful family and uh, a great high school experience, played sports, and I, I just had enough distractions that every time the anxiety or the depression or the burdens of life would come up, I could just suppress it, and I could just, just pour, pour my life into sports. And my reputation in school, and there was there was enough distractions uh, to suppress the anxiety uh, and depression. And then I got to uh, I got to college, and um, God kind of rocked my world uh, a little bit. Got cut from the basketball team at my university, um, so sports were kind of taken away um, in a moment. And I and suddenly I didn't have that outlet. I didn't have that distraction. Um, but through all that, and, and through a combination of things, uh, God saved me. Uh, he, he rescued me out of out of my out of darkness, out of my sin. He redeemed me, like like Mac has been talking about. Um, redeemed me from my slavery to perfectionism, especially with an anxiety temperament. Um, my 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 relationship, as Will said, uh, with God was mostly one under God, always trying to to perform to be His son. And if I wasn't performing, uh, He was upset with me or He was angry, and I had to work to get into His good graces. Um, but, but God saved me from that my freshman year of college. Um, I actually have a picture of me freshman year. Boom. The, the, the long-haired one's me. Um, this is Kyle Conley. He's the one that, that shared the gospel with me and really broke down what does it actually mean to be a Christian and shared the hope of, of the gospel with me um, and eventually convinced me to cut my hair. Him and his wife hated my hair, so I had to cut it. Um, and now I wish I had it. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I, I became a Christian, um, and I wish I could say everything was rainbows and butterflies after that, that, that my life was just perfect. Um, but two years later, uh, I fell into one of the, the deepest, darkest seasons of depression my junior year of college, um, through, through just different deaths in my dorm and friends going through really, really hard things and all these big questions swirling in my mind, um, I, I fell into a season of depression and crippling, paralyzing anxiety. I couldn't get out of my bed. Um, I, I couldn't sleep, but all I wanted to do was sleep. Uh, I couldn't go to class. I couldn't pay attention. I couldn't eat food. I lost about 20 pounds, which I don't have 20 pounds to lose. Um, and, and I was really concerned and really confused because I became a Christian. This isn't supposed to happen, right? I'm not supposed to struggle with these things. Um, so the, the, the questions start to swirl more and more. Wait, does, does that mean I'm not a Christian? Does God really love me? Why, why am I struggling with these things? 
Uh, and eventually, uh, I, I finally reached out to some friends who convinced me to go to counseling. Um, and, and counseling was such a blessing in my life. And, and, and through it all, God has met me in some, some incredibly beautiful ways and, uh, and has brought so many wonderful people in my life to, to help me in my walk with God. Um, none more important than my wife. Um, I have been married for eight months. Can you throw the picture up there? Get that one off. Boom. Yes. Sorry, that picture like distracts me every time. Her eyes are like piercing you. Um, had a little bit of hair there too. Um, but yeah, we got married almost eight months ago. And, and I wanna say, we look happy there. We are, we are incredibly happy. Um, we were incredibly happy. Uh, but about 10 hours before that, maybe 12 hours before that, um, I was having panic attack after panic attack after panic attack. My wedding weekend was horrible. Like, if, if I'm just being real with you. Um, I maybe slept 25 minutes the night before, um, and I'm smiling now because I, I got through it, but it was miserable. I was so anxious. And I can't even tell you what I was anxious about, uh, but I was so anxious for the next day. What if I don't make it down the aisle? What if she doesn't show up? What if I make a bad husband 10 years from now? What if I drop my kid? You know, like all these things just swirling around my head. Um, and it was, a, it was a horrible weekend. And then we said I do, and I kissed my bride, and I made it. I made it. And, and we've been married for eight months. Um, a little bit more about me. I gotta show this picture just cause. That's our little fur baby. The dog got more awes than our wedding picture. There's something wrong with that. Uh, that's our dog, Lewis. He is our fur baby, whom we love dearly. Uh, this is the longest we've been away from him, so uh, we cried when we left him. But anyway, this is more information than you need to know about me. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's a little bit about me. Um, there is so much more to my story than that five minute little introduction. Uh, and, and I do this uh, for a reason. I, I wanted to introduce myself to you so you know that these points that I'm about to, to throw out to you, these, these truths from God's word that I'm about to throw out to you have been, have been lived out in a life. I have 27 years of, of, of life before me uh, and it's not, it's not that much more than you. Uh, uh, but my, but my hope is to just to show you that, that we up here giving the talk have, have actually lived a life, a life marked by, by happiness, uh, victory, joy, grace, peace, um, so much goodness, but, but also a life marked by darkness and hardship and trial and confusion and doubt. And, and I'm a walking example of that. So, so this five minute introduction doesn't do it justice. If you wanna to get to know me more, I'd love to chat with you. Uh, throughout conference, I'm available. Um, so let's hang out. Um, so there's so much I want to, uh, to tell you. Um, so we just gotta get right to it because I've already taken up quite a bit of time. Um, but the way I've structured this talk is, is just, is simply this. Uh, I'm gonna throw eight truths at you that have, that have kept me going in my walk with God. So I started with three and then I ended up with eight. So I'm sorry, there's gonna be a lot because um, I couldn't pick. Uh, but I'm gonna, but I'm gonna throw uh, eight truths at you that have kept me going in my walk with God through depression and through anxiety, um, and 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 I believe these truths uh, will keep me going till that day I see Jesus face to face, and I and I pray the same for you. Um, so we gotta we gotta jump in. Um, 
So what I want to do first, uh, the first th three points, is uh, I want to uh, uh, root depression and anxiety or, or, or mental illness into the biblical worldview. Um, so we need to find we need to find ourselves in, the, in this greater biblical story that that Max Dial so eloquently laid out for us in the past two talks. Um, that that the Bible is actually a, a story uh, that we can find ourselves in, uh, and there's actually a biblical worldview, a, a way to make sense of the world through Scripture. And, and my hope is to root depression and anxiety into that biblical worldview. And and the reason I want to do that because that, that was so helpful for me. Because if you're anything like me, when you, when you come face to face with depression or mental illness or any brokenness uh, in general, all these questions of why start to come up, right? Like, like, why me? Why am I struggling with this? Why is it like this? And it's really, really helpful to root what's going on into the biblical worldview, into the biblical narrative. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Okay, so um, the first truth uh, in, in this biblical worldview is... It's not supposed to be this way. Mac talked about this a little bit, but it's, it's not supposed to be this way. Uh, when God created uh, the, the earth and, and humankind, he says, it is very good. It was perfect. And that's, and that's so hard for us to even imagine, but when God created, and before the fall happened, before Adam and Eve and their disbelief disobeyed God and, and rebelled, it was perfect. He said it was very good, which means man, humankind, was in perfect relationship with God, which is crazy. They were in perfect relationship with God. There was nothing to hide from. They could communicate with God. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just face to face, they were with God, and there was no um, uh, brokenness or, or uh, they were in perfect relationship with God. They are also in perfect relationship with each other. Uh, the Bible says Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed, uh, which to unpack that, that a little bit, I don't have the time, but, but there was no shame. Can you imagine being naked and unashamed? It's crazy. Uh, but they were in perfect relationship with each other, so there was no shame, there was no anger, there was no hatred, there was no you know, uh, trying to one-up each other. Um, there was none of that. They were in perfect relationship with each other. And man was also in perfect relationship with themselves. So they didn't experience doubt. They didn't experience fear or anxiety or depression or sadness. Uh, they were in perfect harmony with themselves. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? Um, but as we know, the story goes on, and, and as Max said, in their, uh, in their disbelief, they rebelled against God. Um, and the consequence of that is, is all of creation was cursed. And in the next chapter, we see the, the first murder. It's just all hell is breaking loose, literally. Uh, uh, it's all downhill from there. Um, so I say all that to say that it's not supposed to be this way. Because of the rebellion, all of creation has been marred, has been scarred. It's, it's, it's not the way it's supposed to be. From the education systems to, to marriage to to parental relationships, to uh, romantic relationships, to the way we think about ourselves, the way we communicate, everything has been marred and broken, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, take a look at uh, Romans 8. Uh, this is Paul speaking 
Uh, he says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So what Paul is saying there is that, that all of creation, everything from, from your emotions to your thought life uh, to your relationships, um, everything is groaning, wanting to be redeemed. And we ourselves are groaning, needing the redemption uh, of God. Um, so, so all of life has been marred and scarred um, by the fall. Uh, that includes depression and anxiety. These are results of the fall, and it's not supposed to be this way. Um, so, so Christian in the room, um, if you are in Christ, if you've trusted in Christ, and you struggle with depression and anxiety, you might be asking yourself, like, like I did, man, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to struggle like this. Life is just supposed to be perfect. I'm, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm not supposed to struggle with this. Uh, that's not the biblical worldview. The biblical worldview says, says you are a Christian, but you are still in a broken and marred world in need of redemption, actually groaning and crying out for redemption. Um, so I say all that to say to, to, to break the stigma that, that because you're a Christian, you, you're not allowed to, to struggle with depression and anxiety. Does that make sense? It's not supposed to be this way. Um, so, um, so here we say, if you are struggling, uh, it's not supposed to be this way. Uh, and, and, and I just wanna pause there and, and let that sink in a little bit. Like, it's not supposed to be this way. And, and it's okay to grieve it. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be sad and mad that you have to struggle with depression. I know I am. I hurt and I'm so sad that I have to, to wrestle with anxiety. I'm so sad that you do if you are in this room and you're struggling and I'm so sorry that you have to. Uh, it's not supposed to be that way. Uh, but thankfully it's not the end of the story as Mac has been uh, talking about. Truth number two is Christ has come to redeem all things. If the fall, uh, if the consequences of the fall infiltrated all of creation, that means the redemption of Jesus has to, to redeem all things. Jesus came to redeem all things, including your thought life, your emotions, uh, including your mental illness, depression, and anxiety. Um, take a look at Colossians 1, verses 17 through 20. Um, I'm going to throw a lot of verses at you so you guys can write these down and take a look at them later. But, uh, and he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of the cross. So, so Jesus going to the cross, he is, he is reconciling to himself all things, all things. I remember when I first came to Christ, um, the gospel was just really s small to me. Um, the gospel to me uh, was that, that God came to, 
to bring me, or Jesus came to die on the cross for my sins and bring me to heaven. And that's, that's good. And that's beautiful, and that's amazing, and a miracle in of itself. Uh, but God came to do more than just get you to heaven, to be your, your get-out-of-hell-free card. He came to redeem all things. He came to undo what, what the fall had caused. He came to undo all the brokenness that we experience uh, in our life. Uh, so the fact that Jesus came to earth as a man and he lived the life that we owed and died the death that we deserve on the cross, on that cross where he absorbed onto himself all the sin, all the brokenness, all the evil uh, caused by the fall, and then he rose three days later means so much more than just going to heaven. But Jesus, when he rose from the grave, he defeated death, and then he inaugurated redemption, meaning he in, in, inaugurated the undoing of all the brokenness caused by the fall. And that's, and that's the part of the story we are in right now. We are in the redemption part of the story where Jesus is in the process of undoing all the effects of the fall. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Okay. Uh, truth number three. Uh, is it won't always be this way. It won't always be this way. This has been incredibly helpful for me in my walk. Um, so Jesus inaugurated the undoing of all things broken, uh, and one day he will bring that to completion. One day that process will be brought to completion. So it won't always be this way. Uh, take a look at this verse. Okay. Yep. Okay, so it's Revelation 21, 3 uh, through 4. Um, so this is, this is John, and, and he's, he's speaking of this revelation he has about, about the end. Um, so he says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. There's that with man. God is with man. Uh, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So that's the promise we have in the biblical narrative, that, that this is true. The victory has already happened. This is true. One day, Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eye. There will be no more death, no more mourning. Um, it won't always be this way. So to summarize the biblical worldview and how it relates to mental illness, the Bible says um, that it's not supposed to be this way, uh, that all creation, uh, including ourselves, have been, have been scarred and marred um, by the fall. And two, Jesus is in the process of redeeming all things by his blood on the cross. And number three, those in Christ have a beautiful future, one where there is no mental illness and we are in the presence of our Redeemer forever. What a beautiful promise. Okay, so what does this redemption practically look like? Uh, what does the path towards healing and comfort in our walk with, with Jesus through depression and anxiety practically look like? Um, so hopefully these will be a little more uh, practical. Um, sorry, guys. Okay, so point number one uh, uh, truth number one. This is this is the truth number four. Sorry, truth number four is is you can talk to God. Mac mentioned this. We have access to God. We can talk to Him. Um, 
this has been one of the most helpful truths in my walk with God, uh, but if I'm honest, probably one of the hardest ones to actually take advantage of. Um, but the truth is, in Christ, we have access to the Father where we can speak with him, unfiltered and honest and courageous. Um, so when I was thinking about this, I, I, I get the picture of, and, and maybe you guys have, have heard this illustration, but you get the picture of, of a good dad, and he has a little three-year-old son, and, and the son is, is sad. Um, let's just say he, he's really sad, or he's really angry, frustrated at his dad, or he's really scared. Um, and all he, he knows to do is to, is to come to his dad and sit on his lap and talk to him. Tell him what's, what's making him scared, telling him what's frustrating him. Um, would, that, would that dad be a good dad if he just said, suck it up, kid? Or he pushed him off his lap and said, no, 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 we don't do that in this household. Would he be a good dad? No. A good dad hugs his son and says, look, I know. I know. Tell, tell me about it, son. Tell me. If, if a sinful dad can do that, how much more could our perfectly heavenly father, who loves us enough to send his own son to, to die in our place, how much more does he delight when we just come and cry and sit on his lap and just talk to him? Whether we're, we're angry, frustrated, confused, um, he just delights that we come to him and he wraps us in his arms and he says, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Um, this was a huge... Uh, lesson uh, for me. <clears throat> I can still remember uh, the day. So I've, I've been going to counseling, and I'll get more into this uh, in a little bit, but I've been going to counseling for six years. And I, I specifically remember this day in the counseling room. Uh, you know, I started talking, his name's Eric. I started talking to Eric, and he's like, you know what, Aaron? Uh, why not instead of talking to me, uh, you just talk to God for the next hour? I was like, look, bro, I'm paying for this now. I don't want to talk to you. But he was like, no, 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 let's, let's talk to God. Um, and my stomach dropped. Uh, because if I'm honest, in the midst of depression and anxiety, talking to God is so very hard. Maybe you guys can relate to that. And my stomach dropped in that counseling room. And we awkwardly sat there for probably 15 minutes before the tears started coming and I actually started to talk to God. But Eric had to get me there. He had, he had to hold my hand. Uh, a little bit uh, to talk to him. But that was revolutionary in my walk with God, that, that I can actually talk to him, and I can sit on his lap, and I can cry, and I can be frustrated, and I can be angry. Um, we have so many biblical uh, examples of this, but I just, I just pulled out one. Um, so look at this example we have in Psalm 13. Um, so this is David. Um, the Psalms are beautiful, by the way. If you haven't read through the Psalms, um, they are amazing. So uh, the psalmist David says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy says, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountiful, bountifully with me. You see his honesty and his courage to talk to God and to ask him questions and to ask him the hard things. Um, to answer me, O oh Lord, like what honesty and courage does the psalmist have? Um, so if you're hearing this, and, and like I said, I know it's hard to talk to God. 
and the swirl of anxiety and in the deep pit of depression. I know it's hard to talk to God. Um, uh, but it's a process. Learning how to talk to God is a process that I'm even still on. Um, and you're gonna struggle, and, and it's, and it's gonna be challenging. Um, but on days where it's challenging, I'll just give you this little tidbit, this one's free. Uh, if you don't know what to say, just pull out the Psalms and just read them. Say them back to God. Uh, God has been so gracious to give us these, these wonderful pictures of a, of a man of God trying to walk with God in an honest and sincere way. So just read the Psalms um, if you get stuck. Um, so number five, I think it is. Uh, God never heals or comforts from a distance. He walks the path with you. Uh, Will mentioned uh, the hope of the conference last night. Uh, he said that his, his hope that is that we would all experience and know the miracle that God is actually with us and he delights to be with us and us with him. Um, so he mentioned that. Um, and uh, listen to what God says in Isaiah 41:13. It's striking, but, it, but it's been so helpful for me. Um, so God says, <coughs> sorry. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. All throughout scripture, you, 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 you can't escape the picture of God with his people, delighting to be with his people. And in here he says, I'm the one who's holding your right hand. So this path to healing, to comfort from your, from your depression and anxiety is one that you're not alone. God is with you, holding your right hand, whether you whether you believe it or not. And I know I, I say that, and, and maybe that just that, that just hits you as some spiritual hoopla or or some unattainable thing to experience. Because um, I've been there too. Um, it feels like God is just so so distant. There's no way He is walking with me right now. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've I've, I've felt that, but it's just simply not true. Uh, one of the greatest lessons I've learned in kind of my walk with God and, and something I pray that, that God teaches you is, is I've learned to distrust the voice in my head. Um, uh, Max said it last night, and it was like, I was like, yes, boom. He says, it sounds like your voice, but it's actually Satan's telling you lies, that God's not with you, God doesn't love you, and you're anxious again? How could you be anxious again? There's no way you must be a Christian. These are all lies uh, from Satan himself. And um, we, we must learn to distrust those lies and, and trust what God says is true. Um, and he says, I'm with you always. And even though uh, we, we can't see him, um, you know there's times in your life where, where you're like, man, I, I just know God is near. Um, and when you're in the midst of depression and anxiety, that's, that's far from the experience. Um, but, it, but it's not untrue. God is still there. Uh, I've heard this illustration that it's almost like a dimmer switch. So, so God is always near. He is holding your hand. He is with you. You are united to Christ. Um, and it's almost as if this dimmer switch starts to turn dim in depression and anxiety. And, and you start to, to, to question, is that really God right next to me? And the dimmer switch is getting darker and darker and darker until suddenly you can't see. And you're like, is God even there? 
but it doesn't change the fact that he's there. It's just our perspective. It, it, it's, it's hard to see. And I pray that the spirit and, and, and our prayer uh, constantly should be, Spirit, would you turn up the dinner switch? Would you turn the light on so I can see your nearness and I can experience your nearness? Um, so he walks the path uh, with you. Um, so if you're hearing the voice say that God doesn't delight in you, let me just uh, read this passage. This is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Uh, Zephaniah 3.17. This is so beautiful. Uh, <clears throat> it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. How cool is that? He will quiet you by his love. And he will exult over you with loud singing. So distrust those voices in your head saying you are not loved and trust the voice that, that is actually singing over you, singing his praise over you. And he's going to quiet you with his love. He says, I love you so much that I don't want to shut you up. It's so amazing and so beautiful. Um, next one. Uh, the path isn't meant to be walked alone. Look with me at uh, Galatians 6.2. Uh, the path isn't meant to be walked alone, if you didn't get that. Um, Galatians 6.2, Paul here is giving instructions to the church in Galatia. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So if you want to fulfill the law of Christ, if you want to do his wills, he says, bear one another's burdens. What a grace of God to give you each other. What a grace of God to give me friends like, like Mike Parrott in the room, to give me friends like Cameron Ingle, uh, Nathan Boxdorfer, people that I can just text and say, man, I'm, I'm struggling. And, and it's never a magic bullet. It never goes away. But I know that there's men in the fight to, to carry my burdens with me. And then I got married, and I have a built-in burden carrier with me. Um, it's, it's truly amazing. So, so the, the path is never meant to be walked alone. Depression and anxiety has this tendency to isolate you. Whenever you're in the midst of depression and anxiety, the, the last thing you want to do is be around a bunch of people who are happy, right? Um, I know that was the case for me. Um, and that, that junior year, I isolated myself for months. And that did nothing but perpetuate the swirl to, to darken the darkness even more uh, because I isolated myself. Uh, C.S. Lewis in his, his book, The Screwtape Letters, if you're familiar with it, the, the, the principle of the book is simply a, a demon is mentoring a younger demon on how to, to pester Christians and to get them to walk away from God. And he says one of our biggest assets is to isolate the Christian, is to get him, to, to get him or her to be alone and not be amongst other Christians. Um, and, and that's true in my experience. Uh, depression and anxiety has this tendency to isolate. And it wasn't until I actually reached out to my friends months later and actually let them in on what was going on that God started to do some of his most powerful healing in my life. Um, and I just texted a few friends right outside saying, hey, I'm about to have a panic attack. Can you pray for me? I'm giving this talk. Um, and, and they were praying for me. And, and it wasn't anything necessarily magical, but it was just, okay, I know there's a few men out there who are carrying my burden with me and are lifting me up in prayer. Um, so I would admonish you, if, if, 
if you are struggling, if you are in the midst of depression or anxiety or whatever it may be, uh, bring somebody in on it. Uh, there are people here that, that care about you. I know there's staff on your campus that would, that would delight and, and would be their joy to talk to you about what is going on and talk with you and, and help you. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable, come talk to me. I know you don't know me, but I would love to talk to you about that. Or maybe come talk to my wife if you're a girl. Go on, talk to me. Um, she would love to talk to you as well. Um, so uh, to the downcast, to the depressed, to the anxious, uh, you don't have to walk this path alone. Um, God has intentionally placed people in your life uh, to walk with you, to help you carry the burdens of this broken world, and I pray that you reach out to them. Um, next one. Got two more. Hang in there. Two more. Uh, God often heals through the seemingly ordinary ways. God often heals through seemingly ordinary ways. As you write that down, we're going to go to a verse. Um, so Numbers 11, uh, our homie Moses uh, has done some crazy things. He has led Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and they're on the Exodus, and God is making it rain bread, and suddenly Israel starts grumbling. They're tired of bread. They wish they had meat. Um, they're acting a fool. Uh, and and, they're, and they're, they're giving Moses all sorts of crap. I mean, we're talking a, a thousand person, thousands of person church that Moses is leading, and, and they're grumbling at him like, why did you take us out of Egypt? Why did you take us out of slavery? We want meat. We ate fish. It was so good. Now we're just eating bread. And Moses is just so confused, beat down, and spit upon by his own people. And, and this is his cry to God. This is honesty, and this is awesome. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in favor of your sight, that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth, that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I might not see this wretchedness. He says, the burden is just too heavy for me. What would you expect God's response to be? What would you expect God's response to be? I, I know I would think God would be like, man, who are you to question me? Who are you to tell me what to do? But God, so lovingly, look what he says. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. So God didn't come down and thunder and lightning and make it rain meat. He sends Moses, he instructs Moses to get 72 men to help him carry the burden. So it's a seemingly ordinary thing, right? Like God just raises up people to help them, to help Moses carry this burden. Um, 
Uh, Elijah, similarly, in 1 Kings 19, uh, he is on the run from Jezebel. She's a prophet slayer. Uh, he is on the run. He has gone like three days' journey, no food, no sleep. He's exhausted. And he has a similar cry out to God. Um, and he says, I am just so exhausted, I'm done with it. And God uh, doesn't respond cruelly. He responds graciously. And all he does is just give Elijah sleep. All he does is just give him sleep. How gracious is that? It's seemingly ordinary, but that's the way God heals. Maybe you just need some sleep. Maybe you just need some rest. You don't need a sermon. You need rest. You need sleep. Um, that's a seemingly ordinary way that God heals. Um, and we're talking about Elijah there. Um, so that's just a few examples about God brings comfort in seemingly ordinary ways from Scripture. Uh, but from my own experience, uh, things like exercise, um, running for, for 30 minutes, getting my heart rate up, uh, for, for 30 minutes just to, to use up some of the excess adrenaline and cortisol in my brain and central nervous system to just help me calm down and not freak out in a, in a panic attack. Exercise has been a means of grace, of God's grace in my life um, for healing and for comfort. Uh, take time to walk in nature, um, breathe fresh air, uh, rhythmic breathing. Um, there's some different rhythmic breathing exercises that are helpful. Um, eating healthy, there's just been seasons in my life where I can't drink coffee. I love coffee. Me and my wife have like 60 coffee mugs. Ask anybody that's come over. It's ridiculous. We love coffee. But there's been seasons in my life where I just can't do caffeine because it fires me up. My excited amygdala, it just goes bonkers with caffeine and, and I can roll off the rails with anxiety. Um, so, so eating healthy, eating good foods, laying off the, the fast food. Um, Read good books, uh, listen to podcasts or sermons. If you're looking for good books, I've got all sorts of recommendations that have helped me. Um, listen to music. I can't tell you how many times God has, has ministered and, and whispered hope to me through, through music. Um, it's such a gracious thing that God gives us. Uh, and then counseling. Um, uh, I just want to break down the stereotype about counseling a little bit. I, I think our generation is getting to the point where counseling is acceptable, but I was so afraid to go to counseling uh, because you know, people might think I'm weak or uh, my family might freak out like I'm losing it. Um, but going to counseling was one of the, the greatest graces of God in my life, um, and it still is to this day. Um, so counseling, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 5. The purpose in man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. The principle there in that proverb is, is we, are, uh, we are very complex humans, right? Do you feel complex? I know I am. That's my wife. Um, we are very complex human beings, and, and, and having somebody there to help, to help bring some of the complexities and the burdens of life out and so we can actually deal with them and take them to the Lord is just so helpful. Um, and, and counseling, and counselors are, are trained at helping you, you bring some of that out and lay it before the Lord. Um, so uh, ask your staff in your region, maybe the churches in your region. Um, I'm sure they have so many wonderful resources of counseling. And I pray that you would consider that. Um, pray that you consider counseling. Uh, it was incredibly helpful uh, for me. And then just a little note on, on medication. Uh, sometimes medication is a helpful step. It is a, it is a, a grace of God that he is, 
made doctors who are smart enough to design medication that help us uh, walk with God, that help us kind of level the playing field so we can actually walk with God. A uh, full dis disclosure, I'm actually on medication. I'm on antidepressants and um, anti-anxiety medications, and uh, I push it off forever because I don't need those. You know, I, I don't need medication, um, despite my counselor every time we met saying, hey man, I think you should consider this. Um, and it wasn't until the, the wedding breakdown that I said, okay, maybe I need to get some medication. Uh, but it's been so helpful, and it's not a fix-all, it's not a cure-all. Uh, it is just simply a grace of God. And, and, and medicine, like I said, just kind of uh, levels the playing field, levels the path so we can actually walk on it. Does that make sense? Like medication, the, the world's swirling and the, the path is shaking, and medication just kind of levels the playing field a little bit so we can actually walk with God. Um, and that has been, been so helpful for me. Um, it's not for everyone. I wouldn't say medication is for everyone. And medication should never be um, taken outside of the context of counseling. Medication should never be taken alone. It should always be done in the midst of counseling or at least people who, are, who, who know you really well walking with you um, and knowing your life. Um, so those are just some of the, the seemingly ordinary ways in which God heals. Um, and then the last one. Uh, last one is, it's just a season. This phrase has kept me going so much. It's just a season. Um, we got any uh, Lord of the Rings fans in the house? A couple blues. Okay. Uh, and Lord of the Rings, uh, I came across... I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan, but I like it. Um, I think it, Jared Tolkien's a stud. I'm more of a C.S. Lewis kind of guy. That's who my dog's named after. Um, but there's this unbelievably beautiful quote in, in The Lord of the Rings of Two Towers, and Sam, my boy Sam, says it. Um, so let me put this quote up. Um, he says, it's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end, because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even the darkness must pass. Boom, Sam, drop the mic. Um, I love this quote because it's such a beautiful description of, of depression and anxiety. When you're in the midst of depression or anxiety, I know this is the case for me. It is impossible to see a bright future. Anything that you think about in the future, whether it be marriage or a kid or tomorrow or this talk in 30 minutes, it's just, it's through this filter, this, this dark shadowy filter, and there's no way it could have a happy ending. Can I get some nods? Does, any, does anybody experience that? Okay. Um, and Sam here is saying, it's just a shadow. It's just a season. It's going to pass. And in, in that moment, it's so hard for me to believe that. And if you're, if you're in the midst of depression and anxiety right now, that, that might fall on deaf ears because all you can see is, is darkness and the shadow. But I promise you it'll pass. I promise you it is just a season um, that even the darkness uh, must pass. Um, and, I, and I've learned that through experience. I've had seasons of depression and, and seasons of, of not depression and, and 
goodness and joy and and then seasons of hardship and when I'm in that it feels like gosh it's going to be like this forever I, I've literally had the thought oh my gosh when I'm a dad when I'm 40 it's going to feel like this I'm like no it's going to pass usually it passes the next day after I go for a run um, it's just a season it's just a shadow um, so um, I want to close with just a verse that has, has kept me going often. Uh, it's Matthew 11, 28. Uh, and this is Jesus. Uh, and he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, are heavy burdened, pressed down with the brokenness of the world. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the promise of Christ. He says, I will give you rest. So to the downcast, to the depressed, to the anxious, to the scared, um, to those with eating disorders, with schizophrenia, with friends who are, who are pressed down by, by whatever mental illness you're struggling with, come to Jesus. And he promises to give you rest. But it's in his good timing. It's never, it's never in our uh, timing or, or the way that we would want it to happen. God is in control. Uh, and he loves you very much. He says, I will give you rest. I promise that. And if you've never come to Jesus like that, uh, if you're in this room, all of these truths that I've laid out are true for the, for the Christian, uh, for the one that is in Christ, that has been redeemed, rescued, and has given their life to Christ. Um, if you've never sat on the lap of, of God the Father and just talked to him um, and trusted in him, I plead with you to do that here at this conference. Because um, in him, only true healing can come. Um, so yeah, um, let me pray. And uh, we don't have, we have like five minutes. So if there's a question or so, I can maybe try to answer it. Or come talk to me afterwards. Um, but let me pray. God, we're so thankful for uh, your scriptures. Um, God, that there is a, a narrative that we can find ourselves in. Um, to help us make sense of this broken and confusing world. Um, God, I look forward to the day where you will wipe away every tear, um, every burden, every um, all those who mourn uh, will be comforted. There will be no more death. There will be no more depression, anxiety, OCD, eating disorders, schizophrenia, um, et cetera, et cetera. There will be no more. You will wipe it all away. Uh, we will be with you in your presence. And uh, God, I pray that you would remind uh, those who are, who are united with you that you are with them um, and that you delight to care for them and you delight to hold their hand and walk with them. They are not a burden to you. Um, they are loved and, and their identity is, is as a son and daughter of you. Their identity is not anxiety. Their identity is not depression. Their anxiety is as a, a, a loved one by the, by the God of the universe. So God, loving, gracious Father, um, give us the grace to just come and sit on your lap and talk to you. God, whatever it is that is burdening us, that is weighing us down, um, that has caused the spiral of anxiety, God, I pray that you give us the grace and mercy to just come and sit on your lap and that we would feel your loving embrace um, as we cry out to you.
We pray all this in Jesus' name, uh, who absorbed all of the darkness and all of the evil upon himself, and he is in the process of undoing all of this brokenness and all of this evil and, and all that weighs us down. So Jesus, thank you so much for going to the cross for us. Um, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conyc.com.